you will only make time to do this self-improvement work, which I think is essential, if you schedule it. I believe the only reason to do self-development work, self-okayness work, to come to a healthier place of relationship with self and life is so that you can stop making it about you, get out of your own way and make it about others. That was Jem Fuller. I'm Rich Bolas and this is the Dad Mindset Show. Leadership coach and author Jem Fuller had to hit rock bottom before turning his life around so that he could become a better father. He's now on a mission to help and serve others so that they don't have to go through what he did. Now, before we get into this, I've been looking at the podcast download stats and around 72% of you that download this podcast frequently do not subscribe. If you've ever enjoyed the conversations on this podcast, please could you do me a massive favor and hit the subscribe button. It really helps this podcast more than you know. And the bigger the podcast gets, the bigger the guests will get. With that said... I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jem Fuller. Jem Fuller, welcome to the show. Rich, thanks for having me on. It's um you know when when there's effort put into to getting somewhere when you get there, it's even, you know, more I don't know. It's better. It's nicer to, to actually, rather than it being easy to get something, if something's easy to get, it's just like, oh yeah, whatever. But if you have to kind of make it happen when you get there, it's like, yay, we're here. <laughs> I know. There's so I, I'm feeling really grateful right now because it's taken us, what, three times and a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff to, to pull this together. So let's, let's get into it, Jen, because I want to pick your brains massively. And congratulations first on signing the new book deal. So um, can you tell me briefly a bit about that? Uh, yeah, so there's a publisher based in Miami, Florida called Mango Publishing, uh, and they were approached by my literary agent in the States who had put together a proposal, uh, and they said yes. And so they've offered to re-edit my existing book, The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and make sure that they feel comfortable with how it will be received by American audiences, although they are representing me globally. Uh, and then, the, so the the first thing is for them to get that in bookstores, physically and and virtually, I'm guessing, and to sell as many copies of that as possible. But also, they've got first right of refusal for the next three years on anything else that I write, and they're very excited about um, the idea of a series of books on conscious communication. Uh, so, in my mind, I'm thinking there'll be one for leaders and teams and partners and parents parents yeah teenagers you know things like that <laughs> awesome now i look forward to it jen that's fantastic news now can you tell me what exactly is conscious communication well quite literally the more conscious we are of something the more aware we are of it so to be more conscious of the communication is to be more aware of the communication itself um and, and then communication really is originally comes from the Latin noun communicatio, which means a sharing, and the verb communicare, which means to make common. So communication is not a telling. Um, it, it's really uh, the the act of us coming to some kind of common understanding. It's, it's a sharing. Yeah, I love that sentiment yeah. because it really does sort of set you up when you are having conversations. It's It's not a one-sided thing. It's not a one-way street. You're there, mm. and it's basically putting it out on the table together and, and 
making something together. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, communication underpins our ability to be effective in every aspect of our life. You know, whether it's your, uh, your internal world, your relationship with self, which very much flavors your perception of the outside world because you can only perceive everything in your mind. And the quality of your mind has a lot to do with it, the quality of your relationship with self. And that is, um, you know, that is set up, the, the foundations of that is set up with the quality of the communication you have with yourself. So there's that piece to it. But also we are, we're a, we're a connected communal creature. You know, we, we, we couldn't have evolved off the savannah plains as a solo creature species. We need each other. We only can exist in community together and community can only exist with our ability to communicate. And the quality of the, of the community is determined by the quality of the communication. So there's that element to it as well. And then even when you look at it, uh, to take an idea, to have an idea and manifest that into reality can only happen with your ability to be able to communicate the idea, you know, so Einstein could have had his wonderful revelations around the mechanical universe and how it works, but if he couldn't communicate the theory of relativity, it would have amounted to nothing. So communication is ultimately important. The relationship we have with ourselves or the communication with ourselves is such an important piece to this, isn't it? But can I ask Jim, like, how did you come to that? Because that's quite a, that's a really big leap for a lot of us to actually make that that discovery about you know our inner monologue or at least the way we're talking to ourselves is such a big piece like what was how did you get there how did you come to that oh, it wasn't it wasn't just an arrival out of nowhere it, it must have been you know i've never really tried to piece it together precisely it must have been a journey of, you know, different inputs, different books that I'd read, different conversations I'd had, different periods of introspection and and, and curiosity around how it all works, you know, and a, an amalgamation of all of those sources of um, learning and knowledge and, and understanding and stimulus. Um, but really, I think I became acutely aware of how poor my communication was with myself when I was at the lowest of my low. Uh, in my life, just preceding what pe- people call the midlife crisis. For me, it, it was really a midlife awakening or a midlife opportunity. Uh, but I did have to hit crisis. I did have to hit the bottom of the barrel and lose my job, lose my marriage, lose my house, lose pretty much everything except my my two sons, uh, who we went straight into a 50-50 week-on, week-off arrangement. So I have my two boys. Uh, but lost everything else and had really lost my own confidence. You know, I'd packed all of my anxiety into a very intimate part of my life that I was, and there was a lot of shame and it was a not a very pleasant time in my life at all. But there was a lot of introspection in that time and there was still a glimmer of hope that I could somehow um, become better, you know, get better. And there was that glimmer of hope and it was in that time of, of loneliness and deep introspection when I started to become aware of how horrible the quality of the communication was with myself. So, you know, when I would look at myself in the mirror, that was it was nothing short of abusive. The, the, and I know I'm not alone. I'm, most of us do this. You think about it, you know, if you've let yourself down, 
you've done you you tried to do something you didn't do a very good job or you were out of alignment with your values so maybe you were mean to someone that you love or you know you did something that you weren't happy with quite often and can i just check rich are we allowed to swear on this podcast it's positively encouraged to be honest Okay, great. So the quality of the reprimanding language that most people say to themselves is along the lines of, you fucking idiot. You're a fucking dickhead. Why do you fucking do that? You're a fool. You're stupid. This is the quality of the language when we reprimand ourselves or when you get out of the shower and you're standing naked in front of the mirror and you're not feeling in a good mood towards yourself, we say horrible things about ourselves to ourselves, right? We speak even more horribly to ourselves than we would to anyone else. And I started to become aware of this and I thought, wow, I know that language is powerful. I know that to some degree we, we actually create our reality with, with languaging it you know, and that's a whole other conversation that we could have about, you know, the, the First Nations people of Australia even talking about how they sang the world into existence and how that correlates with quantum physics. And when we observe something and language it, we actually create its reality to a certain degree. That's a whole other conversation. But I was aware of the power of language. And then I started to th- listen to the way I was talking to myself. And I thought, this cannot be healthy. You know, it, it just can't be healthy. And, and so then I became fascinated with the quality of my mind, which is the quality of your relationship with self, which is essentially the, your relationship with the past and then this present moment. And the quality of your mind completely flavors, even determines your experience of quote unquote reality. You know, So depending on what mindset you're in, flavors your version of experience in that moment and that is your relationship with self so i became determined to um repair that and and heal smooth out the creases from the past so to speak and just start speaking more kindly to myself and that doesn't mean that doesn't mean not holding yourself accountable to what you're aspiring to be like you if you want to be um live by your values or you want to achieve certain things or you want to you know you try to be the best version of yourself and sometimes you trip over and you 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 don't show up in the best way it doesn't mean that you don't hold yourself accountable and go hey come on man you can do better than that you know that internal self dialogue you can still coach yourself and aim to do your best but you can do it constructively and positively the same way you'd coach one of your kids rather than being abusive. Yeah, absolutely, Jem. And it really made me think of, of how, you know, if you're showing up in a conversation with someone, people can totally tell if you're, you're not, um, what's the word? If you're being disingenuous, yeah. you know, you can smell it a mile off. And yeah. if someone is actually beating themselves up on the inside, that's got to seep out the seams in some way and and it must even just i don't know whether it's like perceptive you know perceivable but Mm. it's definitely not setting you up for communicating with others well at all is it if you you're coming from such a low base with such bad sort of priming i guess well think about it like this right all of the information from from your environment around you we perceive in bits bits of information so light through our pupils and down the optic nerve, little electrical pulses, sound, everything you hear reaches your eardrums 
sound like waves through the air and then is electrical impulses through um, sensations through your skin every piece of information we receive we receive in bits of information and then we represent those bits of information in our conscious mind as like a controlled hallucination you know a very vivid audio visual representation of the data around us right including a person so say you're sitting opposite a person and you're in relationship with that person in that moment you are in relationship with the projection of that person in your mind now we have a filtering system so that we can go through a process to represent that information cohesively in our mind that filtering system is our lenses of biases and beliefs and predications and predictions right this is how we sort through all of the information to try and make it understandable now those lenses that we have which is your biases and your predetermined beliefs the more convoluted they are the thicker they are the 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 less okay you are with yourself, the less resolved you are with your past and your present moment, then the more static there is. You know, the, the, the thicker the lens that you're trying to perceive someone through. So if I'm sitting opposite someone and I've got a whole bunch of my own crap going on in my head about me and my relationship to life and it's noisy in there because I'm not resolved with myself, I can only perceive... That person, what I can see, hear, taste, touch, smell of that person, I can only perceive them through all my crap. So I can't see them very clearly. I'm seeing a very distorted version of them because I'm trying to perceive them through all my own stuff, so to speak. But if I've done a lot of work on self-resolution, self-okayness, smoothing out the creases of the past, letting go of my attachments to my own stories... And I've gone through a process of cleaning up, so to speak, the quality of my mind. The less biases and beliefs and attachments I have, the more clearly I can see you. The closer I can get to actually seeing the real you. Right. So then in relationship, we can come much closer to, as close as we can get to reality, because we can never see reality completely objectively. But I can see you more clearly than I could if I still had all my own crap going on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that point you made as well about the way that we, you know, sometimes talk to ourselves, but like we wouldn't do it in the way that we talk to a child. But I've, I don't know about you, but I definitely find myself talking to my children, certainly like in my worst times, in a way that I'd never, ever even ever think of communicating with a colleague at work or something and it's like I feel shame about that and it just you know it's like just jumps out yeah yeah oh look the closer someone is to us the more easily triggered we are by it and especially our children because our children are of us right they're they're genetically half you and also there's this massive responsibility that you feel to try and do what you can to help them become uh, an autonomous, responsible human being that's going to hopefully live the best life they can live. You know, all you want for your kids is the best life possible. And so you, there's this responsibility to try and, quote unquote, make them into a person that's going to um, have a good <laughs> shot at that. And so when they behave out of alignment with our own core values, it's very triggering. And then when we get triggered, like you say, we can react 
our ego can get the better of us and we can react in ways that on retrospection we look back and go oh my god i i i'm so sorry i said those words you know and i feel shame for what i just said you know and and look I, I, if I could get a message to parents, it would be, yes, of course, try your best. But also, you know, looking back at the things that you've done that have already been done, please try and obviously learn from them and improve, but please try and accept that which has already happened <clears throat> that we can't control or influence anymore because it's happened. So when I lost my temper at my boy, was it was it nice? No. Was it healthy no was it good for him probably not but was it meant to happen well apparently because it did like should i have lost my temper well apparently because i did right and all kids get traumatized by their relationship (laughs) with their parents because we're all just bumbling along trying to figure it out no one none of us know how to be parents before we're parents and then we're parents and we're trying to figure it out and and it's a tricky navigation do you know what i mean but i think we can become better. We can certainly be better parents than our parents were if we can learn from that and not do the broken record thing. And we can catch ourselves and and continually improve. You know, I mean, I was very aware because of my past and my hang-ups around not being good enough and my hang-ups around you're not allowed to cry, don't cry like a girl, you know, toughen up, harden up, all the stuff that my dad tried to enforce onto me as a very sensitive young little boy. I I was aware enough to not do that again. You know, my kids have always heard from me, you are completely enough just the way you are. You don't need to be more like anybody else, right? I've always encouraged my boys to cry. If they feel like crying, let's cry. You know, so I'm doing things differently to what my dad did. um, And that's the best you can do, right? Yeah. What do you think your boys will do different to you? Or do you hope they'll do different to you? Oh, um, <laughs> I hope they'll earn some money early on and buy a house before they go off gallivanting around the world for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you're making up for lost time now, Jeb. I, 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 I lament that sometimes as well. It's like the, the road less traveled is often, you know, the, the, the more broke road. But I think richer in, in other ways because the relationships and, yeah. and the things you learn along the way are amazing. And so taking this forward because it sounds like you know the what happens in the past was meant to happen or at least it's happened it's done so moving forward then Jem, what are some of the frameworks or some of the steps that you suggest we can we can use to to look to the future or at least sort of build on this continual improvement of communication First thing that comes to mind is to start, if you haven't already started, to start a practice of mindfulness meditation, which is really one of the the best tools I've come across to develop and then curate a quality of mind uh, and, and an ability to not be identified with the, the passing moments of, of, of experience that we have that we can be aware of in consciousness. So by that, I mean not to be not identified as the emotion, like I am angry, or um, to be identified with the psychological looping that's happening or the thoughts. Um, when we can practice the, coming to a place of observation and allowing these things to pass and change, we can be less less reactionary, less less triggered. You know, the, the more over the years of meditation, 
the less angry I get. Right? So that's you're just a nicer person to be around. So you're a nicer parent. So that's one of the one of the things. Um, I I think a healthy introspection and and having a look at what are my beliefs, what are my global beliefs, what are the beliefs I have around life in general, and and are they serving me? What are my identity beliefs? Who do I believe I am? What sort of a person do I believe I am? And are they serving me? Those beliefs, you know. What are my beliefs around relationships and my values? And do I expect that other people should have the same core values as me? And do I expect that they should follow my rules around getting those values met? This kind of introspective work, I think, is really important. Spend some time to do that. A lot of us don't. A lot of us are just, you know, in the busyness, quote unquote, of waking up, getting the kids' lunchboxes done and the school uniforms and get them off to school and quickly have a shower and race off to work and earn the money and then come home and then sport after school and then come home, cook dinner and get the kids to bed, brush your teeth and maybe have enough energy to watch half an episode of Netflix while you fall asleep with a glass of wine and get up the next morning and do it all over again. Yeah, rinse and repeat. Right? And, and I think that you will only make time to do this self-improvement work, which I think is essential, if you schedule it. You know, you need to schedule it. But when you schedule it, you will make it happen and, and then it becomes habitual and, and, and routine to spend this time. And, you know, it's an interesting point, Rich. Uh, there's, there's commentary out there talking about this self-development movement going, it's narcissistic, it's all about me, it's all about my, me making it all about me and healing me and loving me so that I can be the best me and blah, blah, blah. And yes, there's a lot of that going on, but... What I'm talking about, they're missing the point. I believe the only reason to do self-development work, self-okayness work, to come to a healthier place of relationship with self and life is so that you can stop making it about you, get out of your own way and make it about others. You can serve more effectively the more okay you are with yourself and the more you're looking after yourself. So look after yourself Spend some time in contemplation, meditation, reflection. Do some healthy stuff. Spend some time exercising. Spend some time looking after yourself so that you can better serve others. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jem. I mean, from a parenting perspective, it's that, that's what I've come to discover. You know, you start out thinking, how do you parent to get the kids to do what you want them to do? And then partway through, you're like, this is not about the kids. This is about me. I need to sort my own baggage out. And that's been yeah. the journey ever since. And it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like the, the the minute you start looking at it like that, everything changes. Yeah, yeah. And then you see, oh, that's what they were talking about when they said that the parenting relationship is the biggest teacher. Yeah, I heard a great comment the other day, actually. It was like, you've got to be a grandparent before you be a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I like that. I mean, look, the parenting, the, oh, sorry, just on that parenting relationship, I, I, it's for me, it's the most remarkable experience, I think. Well, that and also um, it, the experience of being in love with the right person and, and, and a conscious relationship where you can both actually enable each other to, into the next versions of yourself together. That's remarkable as well. And that's kind of happening in the parenting thing, but it's been the biggest test for me. My boys are 19 and 17 now, and Tarles' kids are 16 and 14. Uh, and it's it's certainly been the, the most challenging relationship to have, but also the most rewarding at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It's 
the hardest and yet most rewarding thing, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so moving forward then, life's going to change quite drastically for you now that the, the boys are older. Mm. What are you looking forward to most, I think, in this next chapter of the boys essentially moving out? Um, a few things. Um, it's really enjoyable watching them become um, young men, independent young men. That's really lovely to watch. And and a relief too because, you know, there's been some, some worrying times, especially for my younger one through his earlier teenage years where I was like, oh, God, please, you're skating really close to the edge here. Um, but just seeing him now, he's in love and he's, him and his girlfriend are so in love with each other. It's gorgeous to watch. But watching the way he treats his girlfriend has just been so heartening for me. I'm like, oh, wow. He treats her so beautifully. He's so considerate and so caring and loving. It's just wonderful to watch. And also watching both of them in social situations. They're, they're both socially really switched on. They, they If they're chatting to an auntie or whatever or a family member or, or someone or a stranger, they ask the other person, how are you? How's things? What's going on in your life? You know, they actually make it about the other person and they, they have conversation and, you know, they're polite and they've got manners. And, and these are fundamental things as a parent you hope for because you know that if you're polite and you have manners and, you're, and you can make conversation with people – you get you better you, life's going to be a bit easier for you right so when you see your kids doing that and they've learnt that through not through you telling them so much but through them observing that's a relief so that's a relief to see those character traits are there um, also what i'm looking forward to as well is is me having um, the space and time again to get back out into the big wide world and you know i'm on a i'm on a pretty clear mission of the positive impact that I'm hoping to continue to have and grow. And that's exciting that the boys don't need me hand to mouth so much. You know, I've been single parenting week on week off for 10 years. And when you're single parenting and I'm, I know I've only been a half time single parent. Um, so hats off to people who do it full time, yeah. but, but I've done a week every second week where it's just you, you know, you're cooking all the meals, you're getting them off to school, you're washing all the clothes, you did all and you're trying to earn money to support the whole situation. Um, so it's full on and yeah, I'm really looking forward to them being independent and me, um, being free again to kind of get out there and, and, and do stuff that I want to do. So that's also exciting. And then a bit further down the track and hopefully not for another 10 years or so, but God, the idea of being a grandparent is like, holy moly, <laughs> that's, that's next like, level. wow, next level. What the hell, you know? So, um, yeah, it's all in front. Wow. It's exciting, isn't it, Jem? That's so good mm. to hear. Well, Jem, mm. thank you so much for making this happen because I know it's been so tough with your schedule as well. And I just want to wish you all the best with the, the relaunch of the book and everything. It's so good what you're doing. And um, I can't wait to see how it evolves over the coming years. Yeah, thanks, Rich. That's really lovely. And, mate, happy to happy to chat again if you want down the track, if, if you want to have another conversation and record it and share it, I'm all up for it. I'll be hitting you up for ideas, don't you worry, Jem. Well, thanks for listening. If you're interested in reading Jem's book on conscious communication or getting in touch with him, I'll put links in the show notes at thedadmindset.com. If this episode has resonated with you and you haven't already, the thing you can do to help the most is to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify.
Sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends is, of course, awesome and really helpful. Well, that's about all from me for now. Hope you have a great week. And as always, enjoy your caffeinated beverage. Mm-hmm.